saying of be careful what you wish for may never be more appropriately applied than it may very well turn out being applied in this ill-advised, in my opinion, indictment of former President Donald Trump by the state of Georgia, specifically the attorney general, or the district attorney, rather, for the city of Atlanta, uh, that county, uh, Fulton County, in which Atlanta is part, Fannie Willis, on the grounds that he interfered in the 2020 election by asking about uh, voting irregularities and that this amounted to a RICO violation racketeering case, and it caused her to indict not only the former president, but 11, uh, I mean, uh, 18 other co-conspirators. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another episode of the Jamie Dury Show podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe to the show, and you can do so in one of several easy ways. You can either go to the Google Play Store, the iTunes App Store, download the free Podbean app, which is our hosting service, or you can simply use the native podcast aggregator app available on either of those two devices and search out The Jamie Dury Show there and subscribe. Either way you decide to subscribe, you'll be able to leave reviews, comments, uh, and we desperately need more of both. Please give us a five-star review. We try and do a good job for you. The more you help us, the more we'll be able to help you. And by all means, share the show with friends and people you would think would be interested in hearing what we have to say. As always, you can email me directly at jamiedury1776 at gmail.com if you have a question or a topic you would like me to cover. So, why do I say this? Well, there's a lot of people saying a lot of different things about these cases, but uh, Donald Trump had had a press conference that he had scheduled to speak about this latest indictment, the uh, fourth uh, in, the, in a growing number of indictments, all of which are very, very threadbare and are all relying on untested legal theories. And this is the assessment, not of just yours truly, but uh, of brilliant constitutional scholars such as Alan Dershowitz, most of all, the former Harvard Law professor, now Professor Emeritus, who's the foremost expert in constitutional law in this country. And I believe that... Uh, in addition to him, we have Jonathan Turley and, and Andrew McCarthy. But I think Mr. Dershowitz, probably more than most, speaks with a great deal of credibility on this issue because by his own admission, he is not a supporter of President Trump. He did not vote for President Trump in 2016 against Hillary Clinton. He did not vote for President Trump in 2020. And if Donald Trump turns out to be the nominee in 2024, and I believe he will be, he has no plans to vote for him then. Instead, Mr. Dershowitz is an absolute defender and devotee of the law. He has devoted his entire life to the law and its preservation and its integrity. And that's why he came to Trump's defense during the impeachment trials, because he believed that the legal process, the law, the machinations were being manipulated and weaponized in a way that was never in, intended by the founding fathers or the people that have helped build and form this country's jurisprudence. And he believes that is the case with this Georgia election law, that they're trying to criminalize the exercise of free speech. The president has every right, anyone has every right to, right to ask someone, could you look into this? I think there was fraud here. That does not mean you're engaged in racketeering. Well, Trump has been saying, he said since before uh, 
Joe Biden was sworn in, and he's been saying since then that he believes the 2020 election was stolen. We saw continued voting irregularities in Georgia when they had the Senate races there. We saw continued voting irregularities in Arizona and Maricopa County and many of these other places. Nothing has changed. And a lot of people agree with that. Does that mean, why don't we just indict the 70 million people uh, plus 79 million people that voted with Donald Trump uh, in 2020? Because I guarantee you, out of 79 million of them, at least 70 million of them believe the election was stolen and will say so if you ask them. So why don't we just have a racketeering case against half the country? Well, the reason why Donald Trump decided to cancel his press conference is I believe after consultation with his attorneys, they decided on something better. Instead of having a press conference where he said he would unveil a conclusive report proving election fraud in Georgia, his lawyers are going to take these findings and present them as evidence in court. Quote, rather than releasing the report on the rigged and stolen Georgia 2020 presidential election on Monday, my lawyers would prefer putting this, I believe, irrefutable and overwhelming evidence of election fraud and irregularities in formal legal filings as we fight to dismiss this disgraceful indictment by a publicity and campaign finance-seeking DA who sadly presides over a record-breaking murder and violent crime area, Atlanta. Therefore, the news conference is no longer necessary. So I think that was a pretty concise way of saying it. He had originally planned to give this news conference um, in Bedminster at his golf, the national golf course out there, which is his summer residence. But this has now become unnecessary because of this filing that's going to be um, submitted by his attorneys in that case. I think it's going to be very, very interesting. And it could very well be that if it's all that he says it is, that the judge may toss this thing saying, on a prima facie case, you have no case. So we don't know. We're going to be watching this uh, very, very closely. Uh, but uh, we, with all things Trump, or having to do with Trump, the regular law does not apply because we have a two-tiered system of justice in this country. We already know that, and most people in the know uh, have seen that. If they had something really serious on President Trump, they would have put all their eggs in one basket, really made a legitimate case against him. They have nothing. Instead, they're grasping at straws, and they're grasping at straws multiple times in multiple ways. The very notion that someone verbalizes that they feel an election was unfair sometime, somehow elevates itself to a crime. If that's the new standard, well, let's have at it. We've got Al Gore still claiming that he's the president, uh, that he that he beat George W. Bush. So let's put him in jail for daring to challenge the Florida recount. Um, let's put Stacey Abrams in jail. She walked around like the Queen Bee for four years after she got beat in Georgia, saying she was the de facto governor of Georgia. Uh, it took her to get her clock really cleaned in the last election to finally shut up her fat mouth. But maybe we should put her on trial in Georgia. Let Fannie Willis go after her. Okay, and that was for a statewide office. So why don't we just go after her instead? Hillary Clinton famously said she thought she won the election. Months later, in an interview, when they talked about Donald Trump, she said, well, obviously I can beat him again, which means that even six or eight months after the election, she still entertained in her mind that she had won the election, that somehow it was fraudulent. 
they raised the issue of Russian collusion. And then we went on to find that the Russian collusion was something that her campaign invented. So please, this is nauseating. It's gone past nauseating and past embarrassing. Everything the Democrats are accusing or trying to accuse Donald Trump of having done, they themselves did. And they did far worse. What they did was criminal because they manufactured these things. Donald Trump is simply using his right of free speech to comment on the obvious. And there's a few other people that are exercising their right of free speech in a way that they probably shouldn't have, and they just should have shut their mouth. One is a particular whale that occasionally can be found swimming off the Jersey coast by the name of Chris Christie. Uh, He is a um, contemptible human being, and uh, whenever he goes into the Jersey Shore, he's in, nobody can go after him because it would be a violation of the Marine Mammal Act to hunt him down. (laughs) Just kidding there. Uh, What I'm referring to is Donald Trump is going to forego the upcoming presidential debate. He has said this time and time again in recent months because he is so far ahead of the field that he feels that he should not get on that stage because he's going to be elevating those other people to equal footing with him by doing so. There's no reason for him to. He's far ahead of everyone, including the closest second, which is uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Surprisingly, who shot up to third is former uh, biotech executive Vivek Ramaswamy. And I've told you in past shows, I really like this man. I like what he has to say. He's not only a brilliant businessman, but he's a lawyer. And if he was elected, he has devoted himself to the dismantling of what he refers to as the unconstitutional administrative state, which is what I've referred to many times as the bureaucratic state, which the um, elected representatives have created so they could have plausible deniability and wash their hands of the complete takeover of of this country by unelected bureaucrats uh, who want anything but freedom for Americans. They want power, and they want to hold on to it. But in keeping with this uh, change, this sea change going in the GOP, you can see who the, the standard Republicans are, the rhinos, the people who want to toe the company line. DeSantis is trying to be Sweden, saying he's ready to debate regardless of whether President Trump shows up or not. Vivek Ramaswamy, the new independent non-politician, the outsider like Trump, says, hey, let Mr. Trump do whatever he wants, said his spokesperson. I'm going to be there on the debate stage, but Mr. Trump can do whatever he wants. Very, very smart answer by Mr. Uh, Ramaswamy. Uh, He has no axe to grind against Donald Trump. In fact, he has said many times it would be a lot easier for him if Donald Trump were out of the election, but he's not going to abide what is being done to President Trump uh, by those in the Democratic Party who are trying to stop him from being reelected. But the fat whale Christie takes a different position. He has staked out a position as the staunch anti-Trump voice in the primary field. Listen to what this pathetic son of a bitch who owes his resurrection of his career to Mr. Trump because President Trump appointed him to his cabinet because he tried to be a unifier. That was the only mistake that Trump 
made in his first term, trying to trust these people and bring them in, figuring they would accept him and be a unifier and try and help everyone. And they screwed him. Here's his quote. Surprise, surprise. The guy who was out on bail from four jurisdictions and can't defend his reprehensible conduct is running scared and hiding from the debate stage. Mr. Christie, you fat slob. The only one who's a disgrace and who can't defend his reprehensible conduct is you. I listened. I used to defend you, but I listened and I wrote you off after the Bridgegate scandal. Why? Not because I care that you visited that scandal on the mayor of Fort Lee because he didn't support you. Hey, I understand politics. I understand you'd try and assassinate the king. You better kill him or you're going to feel the pain. I know you did it. But you getting up there and saying you didn't do it, I could even forgive that. If you just got up there and say, I didn't do it. I didn't know anything about it. You said it after the conviction of those people that were charged in that, in that incident that you left to swing in the breeze. But you spent two hours saying you didn't do it. If you didn't do it, you come out and you say, I didn't do it. I didn't know anything about it. I'm accountable because I'm the governor, but I didn't know anything about it. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. And you walk off the stage. You spent two hours saying how you were accountable because you were the governor, but you didn't know anything about it. By the time you finished your two-hour bloviating speech, everyone knew you knew about it and that you had done it, schmuck. And a person as stupid as that doesn't need or deserve to be in the office of the presidency or any other position of public trust. So you just shot yourself in the foot. But it should be interesting to see uh, how these things play out. But there is something else that I wanted to cover. And I wanted to cover it for a couple of days now, but we were a little bit busy. This is going to be my last uh, topic that I want to hit on today's show. I do believe that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. So the question becomes, who is he going to choose as his running mate? Now, in the past, I've speculated on several people he could choose. First thing, let me give you my criteria for choosing a running mate, running mate for Donald Trump. And this is not only for Donald Trump, but this is also for Republican hopefuls. The country is so screwed up now, the administrative state and the deep state is so entrenched that if Donald Trump were to regain the White House, there is going to be a bloodletting. He's going to have to lop off heads. He's going to have to root these people out. He's going to have to do things that are very unsavory, that haven't been done since the Civil War when Lincoln had to suspend habeas corpus in order to save the Union. And Donald Trump is going to be able to do these things precisely because he can't run for re-election. No first-term president would undertake to do the things that Donald Trump is going to have to do to right this ship because they know that if they did it, they would never get reelected. They would incur maybe the ire in the short term of the American people, but in the long term, it would prove to be the right thing. Donald Trump doesn't have that concern because he's not going to run again. He can't. Constitutionally, he can't if he gets elected for the second term. However, there are other people that could be very, very good presidents in the future. Ron DeSantis, perhaps, in the future could be somebody. Vivek Ramaswamy, who I would really love to see 
as president. All these other rhinos, the Mike Pence's, the Chris Christie's, they're dead on arrival. They're dead in the water. They're no longer part of the current wave of the Republican Party, which is controlled by people who want to take the country back. They're finished. But the Vivek Ramaswamy's, the Ron DeSantis's of the world, they should have nothing to do with the Trump presidency. They should not be his running mate. First of all, a running mate is supposed to bring something to the ticket. They're supposed to bring, um, maybe deliver a critical state. Donald Trump doesn't need Ron DeSantis's help to deliver the state of Florida. He's going to win that anyway. Vivek Ramaswamy, not being a politician, doesn't bring anything in that regard. He would bring a lot of knowledge, but I think because these gentlemen have the ability to become elected presidents in their own right, they should stay clear of the bloodletting that Donald Trump is going to have to engage in to fix this country. They don't want to be soiled by that. Understand what I'm saying now. I'm not disagreeing with the bloodletting that Trump is going to have to do, but I know about politics, and these men should not involve themselves in it. They should stay above that fray. Instead, Donald Trump should pick someone who could help him in that endeavor, but someone who himself realistically is probably never going to be elected president and someone who could bring additional voters into the fold. When you start looking at it in that light, and this is why you come to this podcast, because no one else is going to tell you these things and give you this analysis. I had initially thought of Tulsi Gabbard, because Tulsi Gabbard used to be a Democrat, became very, very disenfranchised with her party and became an independent. She's from Hawaii. She's beautiful. She's brilliant. She's a veteran. She could bring a lot to the ticket. But in recent weeks, there was someone else who had already come to my attention, but has come to an epiphany himself. And I believe now he is the quintessential pick. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future that Donald Trump should pick as his running mate. It would be something that would scare the Democratic Party right down to its boots. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the Democrat. A fusion ticket. A Republican at the top of the ticket and a Democrat in the VP slot. A fusion ticket we haven't seen in my lifetime and many years before that. That would scare the death of them. Democrats are already scared to death of Robert Kennedy. They're trying to deep-six him in Congress. They're trying to accuse him of being a racist, anti-black. And the man is anything but. The man is a, he's an outdoorsman. The man is a lover of America. The man has done more for the common man than most of them have done. And he just paid a recent visit to the border. And it was reading this article that I'm about to read from DML, the DennisMichaelLynch.com website. And Robert F. Kennedy's observations on the border that led me to believe this could be the ideal ticket. I want to give you some uh, pull quotes from it. He's come full circle in his views about the border and immigration, abandoning his liberal views and converting to a conservative view after an eye-opening three-day trip to the southern border. Quote, what I saw was so extraordinary that it took me three days to even understand what I was looking at, Kennedy said during an interview with Tucker Carlson. Kennedy, the nephew of former President John F. Kennedy and the son of 
Former Senator Robert Kennedy said he originally viewed the border through the same lens as President Biden at the start of 2021. He said, but now he's slamming the Biden administration. He goes, the Biden administration came in with the same position, which is the wall is bad. More importantly, that any idea that Donald Trump had is a bad idea. So they just opened the border and they've had the open border policy. He said that he got his eyes open after visiting the border city of Yuma, Arizona in early June. He was stunned to discover that people were coming across the border from all over the world, not just Central America, and practically none had a legitimate reason to seek asylum. He saw the gaps left open after Biden halted all border wall construction, allowing illegal aliens to just walk right on across into the U.S. after being dropped off by a bus on the Mexico side. In one group, Kennedy said he saw over 100 young adult men from West African countries, followed by arrivals of people from uh, Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Pakistan, Nepal, Tibet, India, Uzbekistan. Quote, he says, I was a person who ridiculed Trump's wall. A lot of people come to this issue from a sort of nationalistic or even a racist or a xenophobic posture. And I'm not coming from that place. I'm coming from a place of compassion and a place of just concern for our country. What's happening to our country is a catastrophe. So now that I've been down there and talked to everybody down there, I have a different position. I don't think you need 2,200 miles of physical barrier from San Diego to Brownsville, Texas, but we definitely need physical barriers in densely populated areas, definitely because we cannot survive what's happening there. He went on to warn of the sheer numbers that have resulted from this open border policy of the Biden administration. Quote, 7 million people have come across in three years, 7 million illegally. And at that same time, there's only been 3.1 million legal immigrants. These are the people who waited in line. It's not something that's sustainable. The Mexican drug cartels are literally running U.S. immigration policy. He says, I am in favor of immigration, but it must be lawful, orderly, and at a volume that the country can absorb without straining social resources. Ruthless criminal cartels have woven drugs, immigration, and human trafficking together into a multi-billion dollar business. And the Biden open border policy has greatly exacerbated of the situation. Surely, Democrats and Republicans can agree that the humanitarian nightmare that has resulted from essentially handing immigration policy to the drug cartels is unacceptable and we need to take back control. You couldn't say it any better than that. And I think that was such an epiphany for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. that I could see if someone whispers in Donald Trump's ear, him being called to Bedminster and having a meeting with Donald Trump where he could say, look, they hate you, they hate me. What difference does it make? We're the only ones that can fix the country. What do you say? We put it together and teach them a lesson that they and the world will never forget. I can see it happening, and I hope it does. Shoot me an email at jamiedury1776 at gmail.com. If you have any questions or you want me to explore this topic further, or if you have an idea for a show, we'd love to hear you. In the meantime, have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday. For The Jamie Dury Show, I'm Jamie Dury. Jamie Dury.